You're about to hear the Sunday Sermon from the Grapevine Church of Christ in Grapevine, Texas, a family who's devoted to giving our lives to and living our lives for Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about today's lesson, visit us on our website, www.grapevinechurch.com. Thanks for listening. So for those of you who were not here last week, uh, I'm going to encourage you to go online and listen to our our sermon. It's uh, we're starting to talk about rest this summer. So last week uh, it's it's a good jumping off point. So if you didn't hear it, go online to our website or on iTunes and listen to our podcast. Uh, today we continue to talk about rest. Uh, so I'm going to begin by asking a question, um, and it's okay. Just think about it for a second. You can you can shout it out to me. Okay, what is the very first thing? that God called holy in the Bible? Hmm, interesting. What is the very first thing that God called holy in Scripture? That's okay, you just, you can, you can work it out, yeah? What'd you say? The burning bush? Very, very close. No, not that one. That's okay, I didn't know either, so just keep them coming. This is good. Sabbath. Someone look. Someone looked. It was not a person. It wasn't a place. It wasn't an altar. It was time. The very first thing that God called holy was time. Isn't that interesting? Time. Genesis 2-3. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It's interesting. In the beginning, God created everything, everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. But if you remember from last week, remember rest doesn't always mean sleep. Now, a lot of us need sleep, and we're deprived of it. But rest doesn't always mean sleep. So Psalm 121, um, remember, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Which means he's ever watchful over his people and his creation. So for God, rest was something better than sleep. I know, for some of us, you're saying, what is better than sleep? For God, rest is something better than sleep. So Jewish rabbis say that on the Sabbath day, uh, it was set apart that God delighted in and celebrated his creation. He delighted in and celebrated his creation. And it was a display of shalom, peace uh, with creation. And this is uh, an interesting quote. Sabbath is a celebration of and a sharing in God's own experience of delight. You may have to let that roll around for a little bit. Sabbath is a celebration of and a sharing in God's own experience of delight. And so what does God delight in? Well, his creation, it was good. And man, us, what does he say about us? We were very good. So on the seventh day, God stopped everything so that he could delight in us. 
that he could celebrate with us, that he could share with us. Sabbath. Interesting. So Sabbath, or Shabbat, um, it's referred to in Israel as Shabbat. It means rest or cessation. Or in the most basic sense of the word, it means stop. Cease. I almost wanted to call this sermon, Cease and Desist. That's a little stronger. Stop's pretty strong. Um, God not only rested himself, but he eventually he told his people that they needed rest too. They needed to stop as well. So I'm going to give you a, just a few references. and It's all over the Old Testament, uh, but here, here, here you go. Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Uh, Exodus 23, six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, so that your ox and your donkey may have relief, and your homeborn slave and the resident alien may be refreshed. And in Isaiah 58, uh, he makes a promise. He says, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and a, the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs. Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now this is still taken very seriously in Israel, well, by 30%. There's really about 30% of the Jews living in Israel are actually religious religiously observant Jews. Uh, the rest, uh, Sabbath is more of a tradition. You know, it's a nice weekend for a lot of people. Um, but it's still a commandment to be followed. Uh, so what's interesting is you, you may see a lot of different things over there that will show you it's the Sabbath. Lots of places are closed. Some places are still open, but most of everything is closed on the Sabbath. Uh, but, but it really all comes down to what constitutes work. And so one of the things that we saw, and one of us um, experienced, sadly, um, was the Sabbath elevator. On this Jewish Sabbath and holidays, this elevator stops automatically on each floor. So we had, um, the Hanukkahs were with us when we were in Israel, and they were on the, one of the top floors, and they accidentally got on the Sabbath elevator. And I think it was, what, 14 floors? And so every, it always opened for 30 seconds or so. And so it took them about 10 to 15 minutes to get down. It was kind of funny, but not at the moment for them. Um, but it's interesting, and the reason why is because they have had these conversations over and over. And so to them, pushing the button is considered work. So to push a button on Sabbath is considered work. Now you may think this is a little legalistic, I mean, I know we're not legalistic at all, you know. But I know you may think it's legalistic. You may even think that it's humorous. But this actually comes from a lot of conversation. You look at the scriptures when Jesus was around. That was one of the big points of conversation. What do you do on the Sabbath? You're doing this on the Sabbath. You can't heal on the Sabbath. You can't take up his mat and walk on the Sabbath. You can't do this on the Sabbath. It's a lot of conversation because they want to get it right. There's still debate even after thousands of years. So even though God deemed this day holy, he didn't introduce it to the Jews until after he led them out of Egypt. Okay, he didn't really introduce it to Abraham. He introduced it 
to the people who left Egypt. Now, Egypt was a superpower. Okay, they were the world power. It was a nonstop culture of economic production, of development. Um, the main concern for the Egyptian ruling class was um, growing the country and increasing their power. So to do this requires more work, which turns into more growth, which means more power. And more power means more opportunities, and more opportunities mean more work. And more work means more growth, and I could go on and on. It's kind of a never-ending loop here. But for the bottom line that I'm trying to get to is for 400-plus years, starting with Joseph, whenever he was gramping up Egypt to, to take care of the famine, from that moment, for 400 years, the Hebrew people worked and worked and worked. So when God finally freed them, he also freed them not just from slavery, but from the idea that, that a successful and, and useful life was to be a slave to an unrealistic and nonstop culture. He literally told them, take one day a week and stop. Just stop. But imagine... You've grown up in this lifestyle. You've grown up in this culture. It's a non-stop culture of money and power. And these people were slaves, yes, but this meant that they had to work extra to make sure they had enough for themselves. And if they didn't work, they didn't eat. They didn't work, they didn't have. Who else could they trust? They had to rely on themselves. So you can imagine how difficult this must have been for them. To take a day off? to celebrate God's creation with him because a day off meant a day behind. A day off meant they may not have enough. So what did the Hebrews do whenever they were rescued? They made a golden calf. And say what you want to, but there is no more obvious symbol of sacrificing yourself to money and power than a golden calf. So lots of people, they paid the price for that. They were killed. But what about for the rest of them? The rest of them, they left grumbling. And that's what they started to do. And maybe because they weren't ready to stop. They were still trying to do it themselves. They were only trusting themselves. And God, who rescued them from this oppressive life, he told them to rest. But they couldn't. In fact, at the very beginning, that was such a foreign concept to them. He said, listen, I'm going to give you manna. Okay, what is it? Yes, manna. What is it? Manna. That's what it means. What is it? They did not know what it was, but he says, I'm going to give you this. In fact, I want you to rest. And so on that sixth day, I'm going to give you double. You can take double. Whenever they were first starting this, the people, they still went out on the seventh day. And God told Moses, Moses, come on. How long am I going to have to do this? Do what I'm asking you to do. Because it's so foreign to them to not work, to take a day off. They tried to hoard it, these people. So in Exodus 16, you still see that these people went out to gather on that seventh day. And God again said, stop, just stop it. I mean, does this culture sound familiar to you? Does the economy drive us? Does, does the economy 
uh, the gross domestic product, does that, does that uh, motivate us? Our self-worth? Does it, does it motivate our time? Do we find ourselves constantly striving for more? To earn more, to be more. Now, used to, um, that striving was limited to our careers. But what we find is that in a nonstop culture, nothing is enough. We want more of everything. But what I found is that when more is desired, more is required. There's a price for the more that we want. And the price is usually our time and our rest. And we don't even realize it either. Many of us go, we go along and we fit into our culture without even thinking about it. And we continue our way of more and then we wonder why we're so exhausted. It's almost like busyness is our new social currency. And you hear it all the time. The busier you are, the more status you seem to earn. I was talking to someone a while back, and it was kind of a, it was a funny conversation, but I was just asking them, hey, how you doing? And they went on this long list of things that they had to do throughout the week, and they were tired. And then when it got to me, well, what have you been doing? I said, well, and I, I just had maybe two things, and I felt guilty because I wasn't as busy as they were. Have you felt that before? And you almost start creating busyness to try to keep up with the social aspect of it. I wanted to do today's sermon on a treadmill but I couldn't find it. That was a, I know it was a weird request Ross made online, and, but I, was, I had a purpose for it. What happens is, is that you start asking people about how they're doing and then busyness kind of starts to perk up to the top because that kind of helps us, I guess, make us feel a little bit more like we are accomplishing more. Maybe it adds on to our social status. You know, for me... In the past, and it still happens every once in a while, the busier I get, the more important I sound. The, the truth is that I'm not any busier than anybody else. And sometimes I think we create busyness so that we could fill some sort of a social need. And as we, as we get busier, we start griping more about it as well. And the more we have, the more we complain about it. And when someone talks about not being more involved here, you know, or more being more involved with this or that, um, or whenever someone's trying to defend somebody who's not really involved, you know, more service projects or this or that, you know, they'll always usually say, well, listen, they're really busy. And I'm saying, listen, I'm busy too. We're all busy. You're no busier than I am. And if you are, maybe it's because of the choices you've made. My father-in-law, this is sad, it's not, but... My father-in-law was a CFO of Pennzoil. Okay, he was a high-powered person for several years, but he still, I don't know how he did it. He went to church. He went to church Sunday mornings. He went to church Sunday night. He was a deacon. He was an elder eventually. And I tell you, he kind of set the bar for me to what busy looks like and how much you can do when you're busy. And unless you're working 168 hours a week, I'm not going to really be sorry for you for being busy if you didn't know that's how many hours are in a week. But it's funny, isn't it? Because I think time has kind of gotten away from us. And it gets away from me, I'll tell you. But see, the concept of rest in this culture, it's become lost in, on us. 
We think binging on a series of Parks and Rec or, or, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever it is you watch at home, you think binging on that for 12, you know, episodes, you think that's rest. We, I think it's not. I'm at, you know, after a while you think, man, I just wasted four hours on The Office again. I've seen it like 18 times. But the problem, as we presented last week, I want us to remember this, is that we do not seek out rest in the right place. We have more time off options today than ever before in our society. We have more expendable cash than our forefathers ever had. We have more options to travel across the globe than ever before. More lakes, more vacation homes, more airline miles, more opportunities to get away than ever before. But we are, according to some studies, the most exhausted and tired people in history. Isn't that weird? It shouldn't be that way. You'd think the Industrial Revolution, whenever kids were working to 10 hours a day, they'd be more tired. So our question from last week, when we're tired, when we are exhausted, how often do we turn to Jesus for rest? Now this seems like an indictment, but it's not. I'm talking to myself. All of the things that I say, I'm talking to myself. But I wanted to take a moment to encourage you because I know some of you are very tired. I see it. You wear it. You're exhausted. You've got so many things on you. You've got so many burdens and responsibilities you have taken on. I would say that the reason a lot of us are tired is because we've forgotten how to rest. So today I want you to consider something. Consider the Sabbath day. God called it holy. The first thing he ever hallowed was the Sabbath. So is it still holy? If God wanted his people to rest so much that it was one of the big ten commandments, is it still in effect? Is it still holy? Let's just say for the sake of argument that it is holy. Let's say that it's still holy. How do you plan to address that in your life? Now remember, Sabbath is a celebration of and a sharing in God's own experience of delight. And why does God, who does God take delight in? He takes delight in his creation. He takes delight in his people. Now, I know some of people are here are going to hear this as we need to come to church every Sunday sermon. And if that's you, maybe you need to come to church more, <laughs> if that's what you're thinking. I think we all need to be here more, but this is not about church attendance. This is about rest. Church should be about rest. You should be able to come in here and be yourself. You should be able to come in here and not feel like you're judged. You should be able to come in here and not feel as if you have to be a certain status or a certain um, level of, you know, forgiven. We are all forgiven. Imagine being able to be yourself here. It's not about church attendance. This is about rest. The Sabbath was made for man. 
to delight alongside of his creator. Do you do that? Do you delight with God when you are here? Do you delight with God when you're home on this day? So I'm going to suggest that today, that you hallow today. Let's start with today. Let's hallow today. Let's consider today as holy. Okay, and, and I'm not going to, you know, expect you to go home and just sit down and, you know, whatever you think you need to do, meditate or whatever. I'm going to just suggest you take 10 minutes today, apart from this time together, to consider it holy. To spend time with your creator and to delight with him. Because God wants us to rely on him today. He wants us to rely on the things that he does. We cannot rest in the culture of more or the culture of busy. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, 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 and if we started doing something that, that was, was more doable for us, if we started practicing something on this Sabbath day, like being still, just to be still for 10 minutes, how would that help us to find rest? been listening to Grapevine Church of Christ. Subscribe to the Sermon Podcast and to our other Grapevine Church podcast to hear special behind-the-scenes content. For more information, visit our website, www.grapevinechurch.com.